Hey everybody, I'm Brad. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and I got to tell you something, I am pumped up this morning. I'm ready to go, so um, buckle up. That's all I got to say. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm one of the pastors here. I work in a family ministry department, so I get to spend like every Wednesday night you know, with those guys who play in the band, and we just have a great time together. They're awesome young people. I don't know how you could not be jazzed up about life right now. And yes, I said jazzed up. I don't know what that means, but um, it's probably a saxophone playing somewhere in my mind, I'm sure. So. But I'm excited about being here. I'm ready to you know, buy school supplies, go stuff a bus. I can't wait for Bible camp. It's like I'm, I got all this stuff to do, and then I get to talk. So normally I'm a fast talker, so um, be careful. <laughs> if it starts getting real quick on you, just um, drink your coffee and just think at least you have an app now. You can interact. You have a reason to be on your phone while I'm talking. And you had some good music this morning. You had live music in a show. And, and there you go. And had some coffee. So hopefully we could spend some time together. But I'm excited about being here. What a privilege it is to be part of Grace Church. I'm so excited about what God has been doing here at Grace. What God has been doing in, in the lives of not only our young people this summer, but of all of us. God has been doing some incredible things. And our community is being reached. And I'm so excited about all those things. We've had some great conversations these past few weeks about what's the difference in this series. And so I get to kind of wrap it up today, kind of put the, put the lid on it, and then we'll start a new series next week with, with Pastor Jeff, and we're really excited about that. But I, so I'm kind of like the last word on the subject, and so they gave me that privilege, so um, hopefully I don't blow it. No pressure at all. So hopefully you guys will be awake with me this morning, and you'll be able to interact, and we'll have a good time. So if not, just like I said, there, there's restrooms out there and coffee. Do what you need to do. So, But um, what a great time to be together. So we've been talking about a bunch of different things, and we've been in this series about how um, you're looking at what's the difference between you know, biblical Christianity, the way that we understand it, the way we teach it here at Grace, and really what, um, what other religions believe and what other religions follow. And we've had some great conversations. I would encourage you to use that app. Go on there. You can listen to all the other um, conversations. You can go on there and find any of them online and listen to them. Find out what all the different things. There's a lot of different things that matter and what we talked about. But really the whole point of all this is, it's this whole concept that's Jesus plus nothing. We really believe that to be a follower of Jesus, it's about what Jesus did. It's not about me trying to earn my way. It's not me about me doing ri religious rituals that hopefully makes God happy enough with me so that I can be in relationship with him. It's all about the work that Jesus did. In fact, if you look at all other religions that we've talked about, really the big thing that stands out about what we believe is what the Bible says about what it means to follow Jesus is the word grace. God's unmerited favor upon us that he did the work so that we can become his followers he broke into our world. It's not about us trying to live our way up to God, but God broke into our world and gave us the opportunity by believing in him as through, you know, by his grace, through faith alone, not by any works that we can do. It's about us then responding to God's word and understanding who he is. It's grace that really saves us. And that's what makes us different than other religions. Other religions, it's about what can I do to do this and do that to become more like God so hopefully God will be appeased. What do I need to do this and that, that so that hopefully God will be satisfied? I hope one day, as I talk to different friends that are from different religious backgrounds, a lot of times when we get to the point about looking at future things, they're like, I hope, I hope God's okay with me. But we really believe because of God's great gift of Jesus and what he has done, we can rest in that hope, knowing that we are his followers because we chose to follow him. So that's what we're going to talk about today, kind of wrap that up, and we'll get into some other religious stuff in a second. But kind of set us up today, I want to go to the, um, the Bible, go to Galatians chapter 6. I think it's important to go to the Bible. That's what we, what we believe, and we're going to talk a whole bunch about the Bible today. 
So Galatians chapter 6, Paul is in the middle of a, um, he's kind of wrapping up his lesson, his little letter that he wrote to the people of Galatia, to this church. And he's writing, and he's addressing a church that had, that was made up of people from all different types of backgrounds, right? But really two main groups he's talking about. You have people who grew up in a religious system. They were used to being, um, doing religious rituals. They were used to doing certain things. And then they met the true Jesus, gave their lives to him, and now we're worshiping him. And now we're worshiping Jesus, just like we're doing, okay? And so they're in the church. And then you have other people in the church who were not used to religious ritual at all. They would be the Gentiles. They would be people who didn't have any kind of religious background that we know of anyway. They came, and they just kind of came to know Jesus. And they're like, they didn't do any of the ritualistic stuff. But now they just came to know Jesus. And now they're in the church, which is great. People from all different places. Kind of like here. Some of us grew up in a church. We grew up in church systems. We grew up doing certain things and doing certain things at certain times that would help us, we thought, to become more like God. Met Jesus, but now we're here. And then we have others that are like, you know what? I didn't have any religious background at all. Never heard about Jesus. But now I came to know who Jesus is. And now I'm here. And we're all together. The problem was in this church, you had the people who were religious, who did the rituals. They were saying, hey, you who, didn't, who, who aren't religious, who just came to know Jesus, that's great and all. But you need to do this too. Because this, we're doing this, so you need to add this rituals to your life. So it wasn't Jesus plus nothing. They were saying Jesus plus adding some religion in there. So that's what we're going to talk about in these verses. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 through 16. If I haven't mentioned it yet, we have this app. You can follow along there. Use that to take notes. Okay, good. I'm just trying to see how many plugs I can get in for that app. All right, verse 14. It says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. Paul is writing this. Now remember the story about Paul. If you don't know it, you can read about him in Acts chapter, you know, Acts chapter 7 through 9. There's some good stuff about him. You read through him about him there, how his great transformation and what happened in his life. At one point, he was a person who wanted to get rid of Christianity. You know, like there's people in, that, in our world like that today. It's like we want to eliminate Christianity from the world. And then he met God, and then he changed to becoming the greatest disciple, right? To go out and tell people about Jesus. Well, I mean, the greatest disciple. I mean, he went, and then his job was to go reach the world then. And he had this change. And so that's what he did. So he started these churches, like good different things. But he's like, may I never boast in anything except for the cross of Jesus. What he's saying is it's just Jesus plus nothing. All that matters is Jesus. All that I care about is Jesus. My life is directed, defined, and motivated to be like Jesus. That's what I want to do. I, everything's about Jesus. And he had all this spiritual up, upbringing, all this training, all this stuff. He said, none of that matters anymore. What matters is if I'm going to brag about anything, it's not how much I went to church. It's not about how many people I've talked to. It's going to be about the cross of Jesus and what he's done. For Paul, it's all about Jesus. And that's what we've been trying to talk about this whole series, how it's just Jesus plus nothing. When you look at other religions, they say they add on different things, and we're not trying to do that. But then he addresses the issue. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. If you don't know what circumcision is, I would encourage you to go ask your parents. Over lunchtime might be fine. Um, I would not encourage you to Google search it. Um, that might be. Um, but I would encourage you just to talk to your parents about it and find out what that means. But we're not going to get into that. What matters is that was the big relig religious ritual that the people were trying to get these new believers, these new followers of Jesus, to buy into. It's like, hey, we've been circumcised, you're, and we're followers of Jesus. 
you're a follower of Jesus, now you need to get circumcised. And they're like, no, okay? And Paul's like, no, they don't have to do that. That was different time. This is all about Jesus now. And we really dive into that. What matters, he says, is if you are a new creation. Paul, in one, of the, in one of his other letters in Corinthians, he says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. For all of us in here, for anybody, doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, God says, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. You're not that person anymore. The new has come. Now live after Jesus because of that. Faith in Christ alone is what, saves, is what saves us and that's what we preach and that's what we talk about. And then Paul says then in verse 16, he says, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. When you understand that it's Jesus plus nothing, when you dive into who Jesus is and say, my faith is only about Jesus, diving into them and then saying, I wanna live for Jesus because of what he's done for me. He's done such great things for me. He broke into my world and changed me. Now I wanna live for him. When you do that way, he says, peace and mercy will, rule your, will be in your life. You are a new creation, and you will have peace and mercy. Problem is with a lot of religious people, peace is not what defines them. That is not what you can really attribute to them. They're worried, am I good enough? Oh, well, I missed church last night, what am I gonna do? Oh, I forgot, my, I forgot to spend time reading the Bible this morning, God's probably upset with me. Wait, did, did I, was I nice to my neighbors? Did I talk to that person? Was I kind? They're always worried and stressed. Because they're not worried, do I measure up? But God's like, I want to grant you peace and mercy. We as people should serve Jesus out of gratitude with a spirit of learning. We want to learn more about Jesus because of all the great things he's done for us. But it's not about trying to earn our salvation. He's already given us sonship. He's already adopted us as families if we are his followers. So today I get the great task of talking about the Jehovah's Witness, okay? And what it is that's different about um, you know, what we believe is biblical Christianity is described in the Bible and what it is that they believe. I don't claim to be a scholar when it comes to Jehovah's Witnessdom or whatever we would say. I don't claim to be a scholar of that. In fact, I've studied it a little bit just because of people coming to my door many, many times. Um, and um, this last few weeks, knowing I've had this topic to talk about, I've done some research on that. So um, if you want to have deeper questions about that, just email me. My name's Brad. It's on the back of the program. And um, I can point you to some of the resources which I've studied in those things and help, try to help you the best that I can. Um, but I am someone who hopefully studies the Word of God and has you know, been trained in the Word of God. And hopefully we can talk about, talk about that there. So when I think about the Jehovah's Witness, oftentimes that's what I think about. I think about a, a Saturday morning at my house. You know, seeing a car parked in the end of my street, seeing people walking down one side of the street and then people walking down my side of the street and then knocking on our door. I think about that. I think about a time I was at Dunkin' Donuts over in West Akron um, on a Friday. Um, I'm, I'm not uh, special to any kind of donut shop. As long as they're tasty, I'll eat them. I do not discriminate, okay? I will eat them. And um, so I'm sitting there at this Dunkin' Donuts. We pull in and the rain's starting to come down a little bit. It's Friday morning and I'm off on Friday so I get to hang out with my, with my little three-year-old as the other boys are in school. So I take my son Sawyer, we get him out of the van and as, I, as the rain's coming down, I'm getting him, trying to get him into the store. A lady, I hear her yell at me from inside of a van. She's parked at the traffic light waiting for it to turn green. She yells, hey, excuse me. I'm like, yeah, well, because I'm a pastor, I have to listen, right? Isn't that what you would say? It's like, Brad, you're a pastor, you have to be nice. No, because I'm a Christ follower, 
I am kind, right? Okay, so I'm like, oh boy, it's raining. But maybe this lady needs help in this white minivan. I don't know. So I walk over to the window and she hands out to me this track that says from the Watchtower Society, it's something I need to hear. And she goes, you need this. And so I got that piece of paper. And now I'm carrying my son in this tract into Dunkin' Donuts. And so that was what I think of when I think about Jehovah's Witness a lot of times. Maybe you've had similar experience. I don't know if you've been a drive, drive-by tract like I was, but, um, but you've maybe had those similar experiences. But with any of the religions we talk about, we're not coming at, at any of these with, a, with an attitude of like, look how smart we are. Look how foolish other people are. We need to approach all people with grace and dignity. We want to find truth and we want to share truth with our world, but all people are worthy of hearing God's message, right? And so when we look at other religions, it's just kind of give you ideas about what's different between us and them when it talks about belief, but not being in an us versus them kind of mentality, right? Because all of us without Jesus are lost. And so we want to know who Jesus is. And so that's why we didn't. So, so just give you a little bit of background the way I understand it when it comes to Jehovah's Witness. Um, Jehovah's Witness was begun by Charles Taze Russell in 1872. So not that awfully long ago, all right? I mean, that's 100 and, you know, you guys can do the math. How many years ago that was? 100 and some years ago. But um, this guy, Charles, he had great difficulty in dealing with doctrine of hell, of eternal hell fire. He thought, ooh, that sounds too hard to really grasp, so I don't like that. He had trouble um, with the Trinity, where we believe that God is one God, but in three persons, blessed Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all God, separate people, but yet all one God. They had a hard time with that one, so he, he, did, he did, struggled with that. He struggled with the fact that Jesus was God, as it says in the scriptures. So he didn't like that part, and then he didn't like the Holy Spirit being God. So he thought, I need to find out something different. So he started his, um, organized a Bible class at the age of 18. So the age of some of these guys up here, older than most of them. But he, um, he organized a Bible class in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And in, 19, in 1879, he said, I've got some good stuff to share with the world. I wanted to get it out. So he started a publishing society, which would later become known as the Watchtower um, Bible and Tract Society. And then their job was to get the message out to the world. Their teachings to get them out. Russell claimed that the Bible could only be understood according to his interpretations as he started it. And then later on would pass that, um, that knowledge down to other people. And so the Watchtower people, the organization, the society would be the people who then could really interpret God's word and get it out to the people according to his claims. After he died in 1916, a Missouri lawyer named Joseph Rutherford, he took over the presidency of the Watchtower Society and then he coined a phrase then in 1931, called them Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, they're known for, some, maybe some of you have family members or tied in with Jehovah's Witness or you're maybe neighbors and stuff. Here's some things that they're known for, right? Um, they're known for, they don't have buildings, they don't have windows on their buildings of their kingdom hall, right? They, um, um, they don't celebrate Christmas. They don't celebrate Easter. They think those are, have pagan roots and have a pagan, are pagan holidays. They don't celebrate birthday parties. This is some of the things that, um, that they're known for. But some of the biggest things we want to talk about today is as far as our beliefs go and where I think we're going to find our crux here. They say that the Bible is their authority, but they hold to one translation pretty much, one translation alone, the New World Translation, which is different than the translation you have in front of you. We, we say there's lots of different translations of the Bible, but they would say that there's one and, it, and they hold to that one tightly. And we'll, talk, we'll explain that more in a little bit. They don't believe Jesus to be God. They believe he was created by God. So Jehovah, they believe his first creation was Jesus. And then Jesus then, um, as a special being, then created everything else out of him. They don't believe he physically rose again. They believe when he died, his spirit just kind of went 
went to heaven or whatever, and um, that his body, though, just kind of dissolved and then, and then didn't exist anymore. And then when he appeared before his disciples, as you read about in different parts of Scripture, he just got a temporary body, took it on for a little bit, and then, um, and then he would leave it, leave, it, leave it go then. They don't believe that there's a hell, so if a person dies who's, who's not a believer, they just, they, they just cease to exist. They're just annihilated. They just, they just don't exist anymore. Um, that they believe there's 144,000 witnesses who will live forever in a spirit form in heaven. That there, the 144,000 people live in spirit form forever in heaven. Once that 144,000 people quota was met, and I think it was, people say, think it's like in 1935, then from that point on, people who are now followers of Jehovah's Witness, they have more of an earthly kingdom that is to come when Jesus comes back and sets up an earthly kingdom. So they have a lot of different things that happen. They have a governing body that um, its members, they kind of govern the people who follow them and they believe that they have direct access to God. They instruct the Jehovah's Witness that study of the Bible alone isn't sufficient. They need to watch Tower Society and its literature to properly understand the Bible and the scriptures. They, um, they, they believe they're God's instrument to help the world understand the deeper things of the scriptures. And here's one dangerous thing that I think that they talk about from their watchtower from September of 1989. It says, but a spirit of independent thinking does not prevail in God's organization. And we have sound reasons for confidence in the men taking the lead among us. It's like, you really shouldn't be able to think on your own. You can't think on your own through these things. These truths are too complex. You need people to guide you in them and tell you what they really mean. So when you think about their beliefs, and some of the things, it's like, oh, maybe it's not that big of a deal, right? Oh, so their Bible translation is a little different than ours, so they don't celebrate some holidays. Jesus is God, but they believe he's still, so if they say Jesus isn't God, but does that really matter that much? I mean, because they're still given a special place. I mean, I don't really understand the Trinity a whole lot, so maybe they have a little bit more correct there, or... Um, you know, I mean, the Bible is complex, so maybe I need other people to tell me what it means. And all these things. So maybe sometimes you can think, oh, maybe there's not that much difference at all. But I think what happens is if you spend some time and if you spend some time studying who they are, you start seeing even the way in which they live their life out, that there's quite a bit of difference. But how do they get there? And how do we as people keep from getting there? Because there's a lot of times we, when we come in and say, I want to follow Jesus, it's Jesus plus nothing, our lives play out a whole lot different in different ways. So there's three things I really want to, as we kind of go look into our notes here, there's three things I really want to land on, three points that I think build on top of each other. What I'm going to focus on, instead of thinking about what does they believe, we're still going to talk about that a little bit, but it's more like, well, why do we believe what we believe? And how did we get there? Okay, all these things that I'm talking about today, I can just kind of glance into, but we'd love for you to be able to study them deeper. We have, some, we have tools that can help you, whatever you need. If there's resources out there that scholarly people have done, that's great. We can point you in the direction of some research and all that stuff. Any of the pastors, talk to them if you have further questions and stuff. We'd love to help you any way that we can. But we believe, we're going to start with the very first thing is we believe the Bible, the Bible is the foundation. I know grammatically it should be saying the foundation, but we believe the Bible is the foundation. That's just my trying to way to be in with the Ohio State people or the Ohio State people, excuse me. You know, I mean, I've heard it's very important how you say the before Ohio State. It's the Ohio State. It's like, I'm a transplant here. I came from the hills of Pennsylvania. We didn't know, uh, you know, no, didn't know too much, so we're just figuring it out. But anyway, it's like the Ohio State University, right? No, the Bible is the foundation for what we believe. This is what we rest on. We believe very much in the Bible. We want you all to have a copy of the Bible. If you don't have a version of the Bible, you know, a modern translation of it, one that you can understand. There's Bibles underneath the row in front of you. 
You can take one with you. On the app, dig into it. There's lots of different versions which you can use. We believe the Bible. We want you to read it. We want you to study on your own. We come together as a church to be together, to celebrate and worship together. But we believe following Jesus is a day-to-day thing. And as you follow Jesus, the way you communicate with who Jesus is is in his word. We want you to dig into his word. We want you to read it. We want you to come up with questions. We want you to chew it up. Because we really believe that God speaks through his word. We believe this Bible is true and we're not embarrassed to say that. So we believe that the Bible is the foundation for our faith. We hold tightly to it because in it's where we find the story of the gospel. The story is God's story from the beginning to the end. We find in here is it's like we want to know the gospel, we want to live it out in community, and then we want to give it away to the world. We want to do all of those things. So the Bible is the foundation. So I have some verses I'd like to read about what the Bible says even about itself or what what the writers say about God's word. But what makes the Bible special is we believe this is God's word, and we'll talk about that in a section. In a second. Hebrews 4.12, and I think it's up on the screen there. Right there, sorry. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active. If you think about this book being alive, it's like, walk away. It doesn't do that, baby, but um, it's alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible, he says, it's alive and active. This isn't just some rule book where you can read and get good topics to talk about. This isn't just some book where it's like, oh, this is some good moral teachings that will help me to get along better with my spouse. This isn't just a book that's like, if I read this, I'll learn how to do my finances better. This isn't just a book where if I read this, I'll learn how to be a better parent. Those, the Bible will help you with all of those things. But the point of the Bible isn't so that we can just learn how to be better people. The Bible is alive and active. It's God's word. And that when, as followers of Jesus, we believe the Holy Spirit, he lives within us, helps us understand and study his word. We need to read the Bible because it's the way God speaks to us and communicates to us. It's the way we understand who Jesus is. And it is the foundation for our faith. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's up on the screen there if you need it. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As you follow Jesus, you're like, oh, you start to understand who Jesus is. That my life without Jesus, I have nothing, right? I am lost. God broke into my world. I believed in him. I followed him. And now it says he's created me for good works to do. He's created me with purpose. He wants me to go out and reach the world. He's created me with gifts and all those things to use. It says all scripture is useful for helping us discover who that person is. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, all of these things. The Bible is where I find out who I am, who God's created me to be, and it helps me as I interact with people. Some of you are like, Brad, I know, I believe that Bible. That's great. Well, this is good review for you then. The next one is Psalm 119. If any young men in here are struggling with trying to stay, um, you know, really be who God calls them to be in relationships when it comes to the opposite sex and those things, Psalm 119 is a great place to go to. Psalm 119 is a great place to go to if you're wondering how important is the Bible. Psalm 119 is a great chapter. This is what it says here in Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. That's why we say sometimes like, but the Bible is more than a road map, but the Bible does guide you. As you understand who God is, it directs you on how to live your life. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. 
It guides us in this dark world. All these verses to say is we hold that the Bible is the foundation for what we believe. That's why we want you to read it. That's why we want you to study it. That's why we offer free copies of it because we believe that that is our foundation. Well, everything that we believe, we build up of what we've learned from the scriptures. If what we believe is not found in there in some form or fashion, and if it's not guiding those things in our lives, then we're wasting our time because the Bible holds truth and we rest in there. So I'd encourage you to think about the word of God, to think about the Bible. Are you studying it? Are you in it? So what happens when we build upon that foundation, we believe that's a solid foundation and then our beliefs build up off of that. It's like when I'm building a home, you would say if you're building a home, that the important part is a strong foundation, right? If I were to tell you right now that there's some cracks in this foundation and then builders said it's compromised, you probably wouldn't hang out in here too long, right? You shouldn't, right? They, they wouldn't let you come in here. Because the whole structure is compromised and it could all fall down. So what happens is, and this is where I believe the difference when you look at what Jehovah's Witness believe, where they struggle. And I think this is where a lot of people who claim to be Christ followers struggle. When they look at the Bible, they start saying, yeah, that's my foundation. But then it's like, ooh, but there's parts of that Bible I don't really like. Ooh, did Jesus really say this? Did God really do this? Does God really expect me to believe that and act that way in this modern culture? So what happens is we start tinkering with our foundation. And that's what I believe the Jehovah's Witness have done. So I said that they used their New World Translation. Problem is, the New World Translation that they came to wasn't done in the most scholarly of fashion. The original Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek with a little bit of Aramaic in there. Hebrew, the Old Testament, and then Greek was um, the New Testament. And so you have people who are scholarly, the Bibles which we use, we have people who, are, who know those languages, studied into those languages, and found out what those words meant in their original context the best that we can. What happened with the Jehovah's Witness with their New World Translation, they had some people on to translate it that maybe weren't schooled as much in those original languages. And they saw parts of the Bible that they didn't agree with. So it's like, ugh, what can we do to change that? And they started tinkering with their foundation. So they use the word Jehovah. It's not in the New Testament anywhere in your Bible that you're reading. So they put it in there because they believe it's all about him. So it's like, let's add Jehovah in here. Let's add that name in there. They looked at Jesus being God like, ooh, Jesus is God stuff. That's, I don't know if we agree with that. So let's change and tinker with the original language, tinker with its, um, its translations, and let's make it say what we want it to say. You know, and I'm not trying to be hard on people, but when you look at, at any kind of scholarly interpretation of something, the way that they approach this translation doesn't have solid ground. I rest in the reliability of Scripture because of the people and the years and years and years of history and all that. And if there's anything way that can help you dig deeper into that, we'd love to help you. But we have a reliable text in many different translations. I don't trust that they did a good job with it. I'm not trying to be mean or whatever. Just look at because there's inaccuracies in the way they interpreted the language. There's inconsistencies. They changed words that meant from one thing in one passage, they made it look, I mean another thing in another one. Whatever it suited, however it suited their, what they believe. When you tinker with your foundation though, it affects the whole structure, right? If I have my foundation over here and I believe it's solid, I can build something on it and I can trust that it's gonna be okay. If I don't have a firm foundation, if I start tinkering with it, it makes my foundation compromised 
And now I've built a structure that's compromised. And so as we dig in even deeper, what you hold your, as your foundation, that's the next point on there, what you hold as your foundation determines your view of Jesus. We've been saying this whole series, it's Jesus plus nothing. Let me tell you, what matters about everything is Jesus. The Bible is his story from beginning to the end. What you believe about Jesus means everything. And so we take from, the, from God's word and we start, let's build our, off of our foundation. Let's see what we believe about Jesus. And so we just wanted to see what people write about Jesus. So if you can look in your Bibles, and those should be up some of you on the screen. Or if they're not on our screen, just dive into these. Um, John chapter 1, 1. The writer of the New Testament believed he was God. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word here is translated to be Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. John 20, verse 28. Thomas. What's he known as? Doubting Thomas, right? He's like, he was a skeptic, right? Maybe even a cynic, right? He's like, I don't even know if I want to find the truth. Whatever it was. He was, he was doubting Thomas, right? Well, when he saw Jesus' handprints and all that stuff, and you can read about that in John chapter, John chapter 20, he, his, listen what his response was. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas didn't look at him and say, you know what, Jesus? Man, that's awesome that you resurrected. You are my teacher. You are my rabbi. You are the great philosopher. You're a fun, peace-loving radical who wants to make everybody happy. He was blown away. He's like, you are my Lord and my God. What we believe about Jesus is that Jesus was and is God. If he's not, why are we worshiping him? It keeps going. Colossians 2.9, it says, for in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. In Jesus, in bodily form, all the fullness of deity dwells within him. Hebrews 1.8, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. But of the Son, Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever. Jesus is God. The Bible says that he's God. And so the reason why we believe Jesus is God, we believe that's what the Bible says. So on this foundation, we hold so tightly to the scriptures. It's not about church traditions. It's not because this is Brad's opinion. It's not because it's just... We say, because the Bible says this, I want to build up on that. We believe that Jesus is God. Jesus himself then addresses the, the issue in John chapter 8. He says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. When he said that, he was referring back to Exodus chapter, you know, Exodus chapter 3 or whatever, saying about when he referred to God, when God himself, right, says, I am sent me. He told Moses about going into Egypt. He says, you tell him, I am right? Sent me. He's like, I am other. I am different. I am unique. I am the great I am. And Jesus called himself that then. The reason why people were so upset with Jesus wasn't because he healed a paralyzed person. It wasn't because he was loving. They were upset with him because he claimed to be God. And when other people asked him, he didn't deny it. We believe Jesus is God. If you don't believe Jesus is God, then why would you worship him? Well, Brad, I worship him because, you know, he's a good teacher. He had good things to say. Well, he said he was God. So let's just pretend for a second. Let's do a hypothetical thing. Let's just pretend I'm a good teacher, okay? Let's pretend that I have something good to share with you, okay? And I'm talking with you right now, sharing something good with you. And then in, in the middle of it, I said, oh, and by the way, I am God. Would you be like, oh, that's interesting. I don't believe that, but what else do you have to say? You'd be like, Man, 
I got to get more coffee or something. How do I sneak out of here? Everybody's leaving at the same time. Why? Because I'd be a wacko. And you would not trust anything I had to say, right? You would not trust or believe anything I had to say because it's like you're claiming to be God. How can I take your advice on anything else? You know, going out and reaching people into different, different parts of our world and stuff, I've come across people who claim to be Jesus. Not like Jesus, Jesus, like Jesus. Like the Jesus, the Messiah. They said, you know, I'll tell you something. I don't tell too many people because it's not my time, but I am Jesus. They tell me that. I'm not, I don't say to them, sweet, will you teach me how to live my life, please? Sweet, will you give me guidance on how it is that I should live? I'm like, oh, okay, well, how do I reach this guy who thinks he's Jesus because he's not? And, you know, and, I'm, and I love him, but I'm not going to listen to him for direction on how to live my life. I'm not going to give my life to him. Why? Because he's claiming to be something and saying something different. Jesus wasn't just a good philosopher. You know, C.S. Lewis had a great thing, liar, lunatic, or Lord, a great study on that. We've, many people have done it since then. It's like Jesus was either lying when he said he was God, or he's crazy thinking he was God, or he's God. All that to say, off of the foundation, we believe that Jesus is God, and that's so important. That's why we worship him. Jesus plus nothing means nothing if he's not God. What happens is if you take this foundation and start saying, well, Jesus isn't God. He's just a supreme being, but he's not the God. Well, then it tinkers how you believe and what you believe about him. For any of us, when we mess with our foundation, it plays out in what you believe, and what you believe then plays out in how you act. So when you think about who the Jehovah's Witness, when they struggle with, and they say that Jesus was just this person, that comes off of a faulty foundation, which then plays out in the way that they live. And it's the last thing I want to look at is your view of Jesus not only impacts your day-to-day living, but determines your destiny. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can have hope because you've been adopted into his family. You have a hope of a future inheritance. And, you're, and we would even say you know, your eternal life even is, is going on right now as you're interacting with Jesus. You get to live with him day to day. When Paul addressed the Galatians people, he said, when you add religion to Jesus, you bring in all of these other trappings that actually stunt the peace and mercy that God promises you. When you bring other things in and you start building other things on a foundation and you start tinkering with your foundation, it affects how you live. People today, because of their view of Jesus, because they really don't believe that he is God or they might say that, but they really don't live that out. It affects how they interact daily. And so you have people who are saying, man, I gotta get to church because if I don't get to church, God's not gonna be happy with me. And if God's not happy with me, how can I expect him to answer my prayers? Why would he answer my prayers? Because you know how much of a sinner I am? That comes from a faulty understanding of who God is. But that's something that many of us do all the time. Many of us, we do a religious activity to try to appease God. So what happens is you see the Jehovah's Witness. They would say that salvation only comes through grace. But they would also say that not everybody is deserving of it. They would be people who go door to door all the time because they're trying to please their God. And they believe that their relationship with him depends on it. There are people that hold on, do different traditions, do different things, and they're working, working, working so that their God might see them worthy of grace. None of us are worthy of God's grace. We look at the foundation of scriptures, 
we get our view of who God is, of who Jesus is. And when we see who the true Jesus is from his word, we realize how much we are not. And we see how great he is. So I'd encourage you in your own life, is Jesus impacting you and how you live? Are you walking in peace and mercy today? Yeah, listen, we live in a tough, a difficult world. We live in a painful world, right? But in me knowing that Jesus, is, Jesus plus nothing is what I need for my life, is what my life is all about, it tells me that if people fall to my right or to my left, I'm still okay because I have Jesus. If my house were to dissolve, I still have Jesus. If my family were to split, I still have Jesus. If no one will talk to me in my school because of my love for Jesus, I'm okay. I still have Jesus. If my family says, you know what, I don't want you to be part of my family anymore because of what your beliefs. And that's, that's there are things that are happening in people's families right now when they turn to follow Jesus in our community are being forgot about, disowned by their family members. But if I still have Jesus, I'm okay. And I can walk in peace. And I can walk in mercy. Some of us, man, we're still trying to please God through religious ritual. And we're wondering why I'm feeling like there's got to be more to life than what I'm living. Because I feel like I'm doing all the right things, but I still, still feel lost. I still have fear. Jesus, what your view of him is, if he is God, the God to be worshiped who broke into our world to save us, and he saves us and rescues us, then we can trust in him and we don't have to live in fear any longer. Worry will fade away. Anxiety will diminish. And gratitude and thanksgiving, but then peace and mercy will begin to take root in our lives. Some of us, we need to look at our foundation. Am I building my faith on my foundation of the scriptures? Or am I more concerned about what the social media pulse is about what I believe about the scriptures? Some of us, because we're not spending time on our foundation, our view of Jesus is wavering. Oh, we'd still say Jesus is God. But we're not living out that in our actions. And it sure doesn't feel that way on our inside. We don't understand what kind of God he really is. A loving God who when we were at our worst, he's like, I got this. And he stepped in. He took care of us. That's the Jesus we get to follow. So I'd encourage you as, as we wrap up here to think about your life. Do you think God's always just watching over your shoulder just waiting to see you mess up? thinking, oh, I'm going to get you. Don't do that. I'd encourage you to consider the God of the Bible, the God who loves you. And because his love for us, we have the opportunity to love him in return and become more like him. When we think God's always watching over our shoulder, we're walking in fear. Our lives are full with worry. What if I'm not good enough? Oh, man, what if I... I yelled at my kids on the way to church. Today. There's no way God can love you. We're on our way to church. I thought a swear word while Brad was talking today. Oh, no, God, I'm in church. There's no way God can love me. You know, look, think of what I did to my coworker. Or what I said to my teammate on the sports field. Or how I acted in that game. 
or I thought about that girl or that guy. God's like, listen, I love you. He expects us to live like him and he gives us the strength to do it. But it should come out of a motivation out of our love for him rather than out of our fear of losing our relationship with him. Do you believe that only Jesus can save you? Or are you just kind of checking him out? Let me add him on to my life and see. Through this whole series, we've talked about Jesus plus nothing because that's what we believe. We believe in God's word. We want you to study God's word. We want you to become the person God has called you to be. We want you to know how great Jesus is. To know that you are loved more than you can imagine. And God demonstrated that love for you by breaking into our world. That's the God we want you to follow. And that's our motivation for all of you. There's no secret hidden agendas here. We want you to follow Jesus because, not because it makes Grace Church look good, but because that's, what's your, that's what you were created for and it's really what's best for you. So I'd encourage you as you think about your life and as I'm gonna have the band come up and as they come up, are you walking in peace? Are you believing the true gospel is laid out in the scriptures? Do you know what the Bible says? If there's any way we can help you with that, those connection cards are a great tool. Just mark on there. Listen, guys, we're just regular people. We don't have some divine knowledge, no special dreams or visions. We're just regular people who are trying to figure out who God is and what it says in his word. But we'd love to help you any way that we can. Remember, just mark on that connection card. Email us, talk to us. You can use that app, go right on there and do that. I encourage you over these next few moments as we kind of close out this series, as we close out these moments, I would encourage you to take, take good thought of your life right now. Because you might say, well, I'm not Jehovah's Witness, so I'm okay. Listen, they're just a religious system. But many of us are doing the same things. We're claiming things that are built off of a faulty foundation. And we're messing with our foundation and it's being played out on how we live our lives. I believe God's, God's going to work in our hearts. And so these next few moments, as, as I pray and then as the band gets started, I really would encourage you to ponder who it is that you are with Jesus. God loves us and we can rest in that. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for the words of your scripture. Thank you, Lord, that the way you designed it is that we would not be left alone, that you're always with us. Lord, I thank you for the church and how we can come alongside one another as we as individuals seek you with all of our hearts, Lord, together we can link arms to find out who it is you've created us to be. And Lord, go all out in reaching as many people for you as we can. Lord, you are a great God. And it's because of that message, because of what you've done, it's because of your sacrifice that we want to take that good news to our world. And it is good news. Lord, I know how sinful I am. I know, I know, Lord, how fallen and how unworthy of even being able to share with this group I am. But while I was at my worst, Lord, you've given me hope. So, Lord, I pray that for all the people here. I pray that they'll find peace in you so that they can stop worrying about pleasing you and start loving you and start doing the job you created us to do, and that's to reach the world. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen.